On today's show, the Hawks are back to 500 with another win at home against the Cleveland Cavaliers. It got pretty tight down the stretch of this one, but in the end, the Hawks did just enough, and I mean just enough, to emerge victorious. We'll get into all what transpired and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1440 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And today's show is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. If you've been dreaming about becoming NBA GM at some point in your life, this game is definitely for you. Visit ultimatebasketballgm.com or look it up in the App Store. And if you're listening to this podcast, get 100% free boost to the franchise when you use the promo code Locked On in the game. Today's show also will be diving into what became a nice win for the Hawks at home. Now, it was dicey along the way. The fourth quarter was not all that enjoyable, I would imagine, if you are a Hawks fan. But in the end, a 120-118 to 118 win over the Cavs. And I definitely encourage you to, at the top of the podcast, make sure your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all those places. And we do really appreciate you joining the show today. We'll get into kind of some top-line thoughts here at the top of the podcast. But I have to say... It's becoming kind of comical how much the Hawks are hanging around 500 at this point. They've been, they've been within a game of the 500 mark since January. And yes, January. With this win, back to 500 for the season at 38 and 38. They have an NBA record, and it is still growing, of 30 consecutive games being within one game of the 500 mark this season. That's obviously a little bit of a strange stat. In fact, Quinn Snyder was asked about it b- before the game actually happened tonight, and he called it, and I quote, an interesting statistical anomaly end quote kind of funny but in the last 28 games the hawks are 14 and 14 last 26 games 13 and 13 last 24 games 12 and 12 it has been honestly kind of funny to be honest with you how much the hawks are just right aggressively in the middle of the standings and uh that's still the case now and by the way with with win tonight they can even lose again on friday and have the streak continue one more time at least so uh, they're still hanging there. I think Snyder even said pregame as well, they'd like to win more than they lose. Obviously, that's definitely the case for everybody involved. But um, on this night, a positive result against a pretty good team, although a shorthanded team in this game. Also, the first time that Quinn Snyder's coached against Donovan Mitchell, which I think was kind of overlooked locally. But the Cavs folks uh, on the scene were asking all about that, as they probably should because they covered Donovan Mitchell on a daily basis. But that was kind of an interesting moment, um, having those guys on opposite sides. And then as far as the game itself, Atlanta was up by 15 points. At one point in this one, and up by 12 points in the fourth quarter. A very, very familiar tale for this Hawks team, not being able to put the game away. On this night, obviously it worked out decently well for them at the end of the game, but still a little bit dicey down the stretch. And the Hawks are, at this moment, in the bottom five of the league in fourth quarter net rating. You don't want to have that happen necessarily, and that was uh, definitely kind of borne out in this one. They lost fourth quarter by eight points. Donovan Mitchell was fantastic after halftime, and that kind of allowed the Hawks to have a little bit more of a, uh, I don't know, dicey situation down the stretch. But in the end, it was enough for Atlanta. As for kind of the way the Hawks performed in this game, offensively, it was really, really strong. They had a 120 offensive rating in the game. That's very encouraging. They had seven guys in double figures, led by DeJounte Murray, who had bounced back very nicely in this game with 29 points. Come back to him later on the podcast. They shot 44% from three. That's obviously very helpful. Didn't take a ton of threes, but made 12 of them. That's going to be enough most of the time. Took 33 free throw attempts. That's a lot for the Hawks. In fact, Akongu had 12. It's rare that Trey's not the team leader in free throw attempts, but Akongu got to the line 12 times in 20 minutes in this game. Um, 
They turned the ball over a lot. They lost turnover battle pretty decidedly in this game. That's usually not really helpful for the Hawks team. In fact, they kind of build this team around taking care of the ball. But in this game, the Cavs created havoc, and the Hawks didn't really create any, much of their own on, on defense. But it's worth noting that Cleveland, we'll just, we'll just stop here for a second. The Cavs missed a lot of guys in this game. Jared Allen, the most prominent of the bunch, one of their clear top four kind of standout players, was unavailable in this game, as was Isaac Okoro, who's probably their best wing defender. Dean Wade was out in this game, a nice role player. Danny Green, Howell Neto, et cetera. Um, without Allen, the Cavs played small a lot in this game, which definitely hurt their defense on the interior. Evan Mobley is good, but he's kind of by himself in this one versus when he's playing next to Allen, they're very difficult. So while the Cavs are a top five defense, maybe even top three defense in the league, when everybody's available, they're not quite the same team without Jared Allen. That's worth noting, especially with Okoro as well, who's one of the one of the better perimeter guys. Still, they have a good infrastructure. They are coached well defensively. And the Hawks scoring what they did against the Cavs for most of the night is pretty encouraging. So I will certainly give a passing grade or better to the offense in this game. Defensively, it was not fantastic, I have to say. Second half, really ugly, like a 130 defensive rating or so in the second half. Um, ended up with a, about a 118 for the full game. That isn't horrible. But again, there were some tough moments. I think the Cavs shot the ball well from the floor and from three in this game. 51% from the field, 36% from three. But only eight turnovers. That's a huge advantage for Cleveland in this one. The Hawks did win the glass quite a bit and also took more free throw attempts than Cleveland did, but 72 points in the paint for the Cavs. And as it has been all year long, the Hawks basically had a lot of trouble kind of containing penetration, containing ball handlers and creators on the perimeter. The Hawks' perimeter defense was not very good in this game. We'll come back to who played later on in this one, how they all performed. But um, it was sort of a similar blueprint that it has been for a while, but the Hawks were pretty good on offense. Pretty good on offense, I should say, and then pretty bad on defense at different times, and uh, didn't quite bite them at the end. Um, without Jalen Johnson, the Hawks were not at full strength either, which is always worth noting in this game. Although they were a lot, they were a lot healthier than the Cavs were. But uh, kind of a weird uh, indication of how this game flipped and how important someone like Jared Allen might be. The Hawks were underdogs as of Monday evening, even at home against the Cavs, who, by the way, are a top four seed and a really good team this year. By the time this game tipped off, with Allen and Okoro, etc., out, the Hawks were favored. The actual Hawks were actually favored by three points. So. If you, if you bet on the Hawks, you didn't win, unfortunately. But the Hawks did win the game. which didn't cover the spread of minus three by the time tip-off actually happened. But look, big picture, the Hawks getting a win against a good team in any, in any situation is a positive, even at home against a shorthanded opponent in this game. They could have lost it pretty easily in this kind of a similar way that they could have won the game on Sunday against Memphis pretty similarly. And if you missed that podcast, it's still, still definitely in the feed right now. But um, splitting these two games makes a lot of sense, both kind of coin flip kind of games. And the Hawks won one, lost one. And uh, obviously better to win this one and that they have a little bit more of a fresher outlook heading into a two-day period of off time and practice time before a road game on Friday in Brooklyn. We'll get into how this game kind of unfolded in a second on the podcast, but first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. I'm excited about our new partner and sponsor on today's podcast, and that is the mobile game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. If you've been dreaming about becoming a GM in the NBA or managing a basketball franchise in general, your dream can come true. This game is definitely for you. Manage every aspect of a team, play through the season, and actually lead your team to glory with Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. You are responsible for hiring the coaches and training the players, and even having the players be trained, making draft picks, and generally navigating the franchise through stuff like free agency and all the fun challenges that come along with a season. This all happens in a realistic game world as well, and Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. You can play on the go, whatever you want to, as much as you want to. And honestly, we're having a lot of fun behind the scenes with all of our locked on NBA hosts talking trash and really enjoying the product at this point. It's also an awesome way to connect with friends who are also diehard basketball fans. And if you're a listener to the Locked Up Hawks podcast, as you are, 
you're finding this podcast right now, get 100% free boost to the franchise when you use the promo code Locked On in the game store. Download the game right now. Visit probasketballgm.com or scan the code. Look it up in the app store. That is probasketballgm.com. When you get there, use the promo code Locked On. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM, start Dynasty today. All right, we'll dive in now to how this game kind of unfolded. And uh, they were down by 10 points actually out of the gate in this one. So while the Hawks led for the majority of the contest, it was 17-7 in the first quarter in favor of Cleveland. They were getting downhill early on, off the dribble. They made eight of the first 10 shots. Um, no turnovers for Cleveland in that, in that stretch as well. The Hawks had some first errors on offense, a couple of missed shots near the rim, had some bad turnovers. But then an 11-0 run kind of shook things up and kind of erased that early deficit from the Hawks with threes by Collins and Murray and Bogdanovich. Collins made his first two threes in this game, shooting the ball a lot better recently. Uh, rotationally, it was pretty normal for a minute, and then it was not normal in a hurry. So Bogey came in. Kongu came in, Sadiq Bey came in, and then a big change. It was Vit Krejci. Yes, Vit Krejci, out of nowhere. I mean, I mean, absolutely out of nowhere. I heard nothing about this. Uh, I don't think they really telegraphed it at all. But about three minutes to go in the first quarter, Vit comes in as the ninth man, and he played in both halves as the ninth man in this game. In fact, he played over A.J. Griffin, and he played over Aaron Holiday. He played over Garrison Matthews, and that was a legitimate shock to me. Um you know, he has not played any – I looked this up. He had not played a meaningful minute for the Hawks since December the 12th. And even then, he only played during the stretch where the Hawks had a lot of injuries cl- clustered together when Hunter was out and they were playing Jared Culver and they had some guys, you know, sit out in Memphis and all that stuff. So he has not really played much at all in, you know, three-plus months. Uh, so that was obviously a big surprise. After the game, Quinn was asked about kind of why that happened, and he said he's worked hard and been unselfish and earned an opportunity to kind of get in there and play. He did say it wasn't an indictment of anybody else, but uh, and I'll just leave with this. Veet is beloved. Everybody loves Veet. He play, by all accounts, he works really hard. He's a great bench guy. I've kind of said that in a, in a, in a funny way this year, but Veet is a very valuable piece on your roster because he's very upbeat and uh, encouraging, and he plays hard and works hard. And he's not without talent. He is pretty long. He's pretty athletic. I think defensively this game, he's probably better than their other options were on the perimeter at times. But I don't love him playing over AJ Griffin. I gotta say, uh, maybe it's maybe it's a one off. We'll see. And maybe they just want to give AJ a day off or something. He wasn't great on Sunday, etc. But uh, it was a surprise to me. But it happened, and that's kind of all I have for now. We'll see if it continues. If, if it happens again on Friday, my eyebrows will be raised to the ceiling, basically. If he's playing over AJ Griffin on a regular basis. But for this one game, I didn't hate it too much. It was just kind of kind of a strange little thing and kind of out of nowhere. But look, uh, I'm happy for Veet. He's been uh, definitely not playing much this year, but everybody seems to like him, and they were giving him good grief after the game. He talked to the media, and uh, that's a lot of fun for him on this particular night. Anyway, um, offensively, on both sides, it kind of slowed down late in the first quarter. It was 24-24 at the end of the first. Hawks turned the ball over quite a bit, but both teams were struggling on offense in general. I thought in the second quarter they might go to AJ as the 10th man. That didn't happen. I did think that he uh, played pretty hard and gave him good, good energy defensively. Um, also, they kind of changed the rotation with Trey and DeJounte. Usually, DeJounte starts second quarter. Trey starts second quarter in this game, um, kind of just oddly. Trey was pretty bad in the first half. He missed his first four shots, had four turnovers in the first 13 minutes of the game. He sat in the middle of the quarter and then came back in. Didn't score till like four minutes left in the first half, so kind of a weird night for Trey on the whole. He's better in the second half for sure. But the big run of the game for the Hawks was a 17-4 to push in the second quarter. Collins had a big dunk off of a pass by Sadiq Bay in transition. DeJounte Murray got really hot. He made four jump shots in a row, um, including a couple of really tough ones. Coming into the night, by the way, DeJounte had been shooting 36% from the floor and 13% from three in the last 10 games. That was good to see him sort of erase that early on. He cooled off for sure as the night went along, but he was still very much better than he's been in recent days. Cleveland missed their first five free throw attempts 
in the game to kind of give the Hawks a little bit of a boost there. That was helpful. Hawks were up by eight at the half, despite being up, up, up by 15 points at one point in the first half. Murray had 17. Lots of turnovers. In the in the second half, it was kind of more of the same. They did make five threes and hit 15. Sorry, took free, 15 free throws in, in the third quarter alone. That's a ton of attempts. Kongu was really good in the third quarter. They, they played Veet one more time off the bench. Trey was better, and I think Snyder pointed out repeatedly after the game he only had one turnover in the second half. I thought he was more under control and more uh, generally disciplined and effective. The Hawks dropped by 12 with about eight and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter after a step back by Trey. And it felt like it was a little, I would say, not entirely in control, but certainly leaning that direction. But of course, Cleveland had a 13-0 run immediately after that to erase the entire margin and take the lead. Then Collins had a big three at the five-minute mark to go back up by two. From there, it was a lot of back and forth. Murray got fouled on a three, made all three of them, despite a challenge for Cleveland that was lost. Capella had a, had a nice dunk off of a high-low pass by, Capella, by Collins, I should say, for the lead with about two minutes to go. Murray had a big jump shot with about a minute left to go up by four. But then immediately, Donovan Mitchell, who was unconscious in the second half of this game, hit a three. And the Capella missed a, a tip in the uh, – sorry, a bucket near the rim. A tip in went begging as well. And the Hawks were suddenly up only one without the ball. But Mitchell mercifully did finally miss a shot. And the Hawks got it back with nine seconds to go. I'll stop here and just note this. Donovan Mitchell had 32 points in the second half. So it felt like every shot he took was going to go in. And that one didn't go in. That was nice, finally, for the Hawks to get a stop at that point in time. And then Trey did a masterful job of burning six full seconds before getting fouled after that inbounds pass. Um, smartly, they pulled Capella off the floor. That was a good decision, generally speaking. Trey only made one of two, but the time was almost more important than him making free throws. They called, the Hawks called by two points with three seconds to go. And crucially, Cleveland was out of timeouts. So they couldn't advance the ball, and that made things a lot easier for Atlanta. I will say also, though, Mitchell had a heave that was nearly in the basket that would have walked it off in crazy fashion. It didn't go in, but, man, it was pretty dicey at one point for the Hawks to be up by 12 with nine minutes to go and have a shot in the air that could have beaten you. It's tough, and the Hawks got outscored in the fourth quarter pretty solidly, but still they were able to hang around, make enough plays. Trey made a few plays. Murray made a few plays. Kyle made a few plays, et cetera. And uh, the bench was really good the entire way through. So we'll come back to it in a second. But, uh, yeah, they closed the game out with just enough. They won two of the four quarters. They tied the first quarter and then lost the fourth. But it was uh, just just barely enough to go to the finish line. And we'll kind of get into uh, how it all broke down as far as the players and stuff like that in a second on the podcast. But first, a word from our friends on our show. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. It is still March, and that means it's an awesome time in college basketball. Also, the stretch run in the NBA and the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're a new customer, get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 at FanDuel. That means bonus bets coming back to you if your first bet does not win with FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app right now, today, and it is safe, secure, super easy to use, and you can bet anything you're looking for in the sports world. That includes point spreads and totals and money lines and player props and game props as well as futures and much more. The Hawks return to the floor on Friday in Brooklyn. And FanDuel will have you covered with pregame odds, live odds, etc., props, all that fun stuff for that game. And from there, find many exclusive bets at FanDuel, and they have – the opportunity to combine bets together for a bigger payout with a same-game parlay at FanDuel. Don't miss the chance to get our no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, a support partner of the NBA. All right, we'll dive in now to the player evaluations in this space. And it was kind of an interesting game for the Hawks in terms of player-by-player -player stuff. We'll start with Vite Krejci. Nine minutes off the bench for Vite. Didn't take a shot. In the game, which is fine. I think he, uh, Quinn talked about his passing being a strength. I would agree with I would agree with that. He has good feel as a passer. Um, 
two rebounds and assist, played decent defense, had three fouls. He was pretty over-aggressive at times defensively, which just makes sense. He's not played in a long time, but I thought he did an incredible job giving them energy defensively. I, again, I don't think I'll be thrilled if he's playing over AJ in the future, but I thought it was a nice little injection of energy and you know, kind of burst and on-ball defense that they kind of needed in this game. Um, the rest of the bench was very effective. Bogey had a quietly solid game, didn't do a ton, made three threes, had two assists, 12 points. Uh, defensively, maybe a little bit better than usual. Not great by any means, but certainly not like the, as bad as he's been at times. Two assists and a steal, plus 10. Um, and then Bay and Okongwu were, were both quite good. I thought Sadiq Bay had a, a slow start. He missed his first three shots from three, but didn't slow down. And I thought he had his best like all-court game uh, in a Hawks uniform in this game. Now, Sadiq has kind of, at least in my mind, been pretty bad defensively for the majority of his tenure with the Hawks and has been really reliant on, on three-point shooting going in. So for him to have a good game in this spot while going one of five from three is really encouraging, actually. He made all three of his twos, 10 rebounds, had three assists, a couple nice passes. Defensively, it wasn't like he was locking anybody down, but he was better, I thought, than uh, than usual in this game. And he gave him a lot of good minutes off the bench. It was plus 23 at game best for Atlanta. And then Okongwu was excellent, 21 points in 20 minutes, 5-5 from the floor, and 12, yes, 12 free throw attempts. He made 11 of them. That's obviously awesome to have a center that can do that. Nine rebounds, three blocks. They have four fouls, as he pretty much always does, but he was excellent in this game. Um, to the starters, same thing as, as it's been for a while. Capella was also good. Capella had 12 points and 10 rebounds and two assists and made a couple big plays late, um, you know, six attempts on the floor, missed a free throw. But I thought, you know, again, the center position, all 48 minutes was quite solid, quite good in this game as it has been for a while. Um, elsewhere in the lineup for the Hawks, Hunter played 39 minutes. That's a lot for anybody under Snyder in particular has been watching minutes a lot. Uh, I, I think, I don't think he played very well, honestly. I think, I think the Hawks basically decided that they had to have him on the floor for defense, which does make sense against a team that has both Mitchell and Darius Garland. Hunter was their best option on those guys, but offensively it was kind of a, an adventure. He was seven points on 12 shots. Yikes. There was an ATO they drew, drew up from him late. I, I will uh, sort of attribute this to Glenn Willis of Petrie hoops, but he talked about this um, on Twitter you know, it was a shot that I don't love, but it was a design play. So if you're going to have an uh, issue with that, I think the issue would be with Quinn. Obviously, you know, Hunter missed it, but he had a bad he had a bad offensive game for sure. Defensively, he was definitely helpful, but uh, not his best work on offense by any means. Um, I thought Collins was fine, hit three threes, and uh, I believe now he's up to, I think it's something like 17 of 41 from three in the last like 12 games. He's been shooting very well quietly from three-point range, so hopefully that continues. Knock on wood there. 12.7 rebounds, solid defense. I thought he played generally pretty well. Uh, although, weirdly, one of five on twos. That, that hardly ever happens for him. Uh, Trey Young, again, I said it before, but kind of kind of a weirdly bad first half, but he was much better in the second half. He ended up with 16 points, 10, 10 assists. Then six turnovers, only one of them in the second half. Um, 4.15 from the floor, but it was two of three from three. So actually two of 12 on twos is kind of rough and missed three, three, three throws. So just kind of a weird shooting night for Trey all the way around. But I think he competed defensively at times. I think the passing is usually good as it was in this game. A couple of big shots late. So uh, he'll have better nights for sure. He wasn't at his absolute worst either, but I thought it was encouraging that he stuck with it because he could have kind of just checked out after, after a bad first half. And he didn't do that. And then Murray really bounced back in this game. He's been shooting the ball very poorly and ended, ended up with 29 points. Did have not quite as good of a second half as the first half, but at five assists, passed the ball well, zero turnovers. Um, Snyder praised him for getting all the way to the rim and also taking more threes. That had him in both instances in this game, took seven threes, got to the rim more than he was pulling up for long twos. There'll always be some pull-ups from him for like 12 feet uh, twelve feet away. That's going to happen sometimes, but I think he's at his best when he's actually attacking the rim 
and taking more threes, which definitely happened in this game overall. So uh, it wasn't like anybody had a perfect game. I think Okongwu was probably the closest to that. And Bay played well as well. But I think that the Hawks had enough guys contribute at a high level. No one other than maybe Hunter was really, really rough by their standards. Uh, Trey, you know, obviously below his normal level as well. But um, plenty to be positive about. Okongwu, Bay, I think Capella, Murray, especially as he bounced back, Bogey was pretty solid. So a lot of stuff to like. And again, they emerged with a victory that they kind of needed big pictures because um, in the standings, by the way, Toronto beat Miami tonight. So things are still very tight, even with a Hawks victory. On the bright side, the Hawks are within two games of the seven seed again because of Miami losing. But they're also tied with the Raptors and only a game and a half ahead of Chicago. So the Hawks are essentially, if they were to go, let's say, two and four in the last six, that might be enough to be the 10 seed. If they were to go four and two, that might be enough to be the seven or eight seed. So we'll see a pretty big uh, swing here down the stretch of the season, but the Hawks kind of have known that for a while and uh, things are very, very tight. They'll be rooting against certain teams Um, on Wednesday when the Hawks do not play, they'll be rooting for the Lakers as the Lakers play in Chicago. That's one to circle. If you are a Hawks fan looking around, also the heat play the Knicks on the road and a back-to-back on Wednesday. That's one to circle as well. Go Knicks. If you are a Hawks fan at that point in time, there's always a game to watch right now. If you are a fan of the Hawks trying to get them in a better position in the playoffs and then the Hawks return to action on Friday evening in Brooklyn, the Nets are not in a position where they just cannot possibly drop. In fact, the Hawks are within two and a half of, the Nets for the sixth seed. So if Atlanta were to go, let's say five and one, six and zero, oh, they would have a chance, a small one, but a chance. I think coming into the day, it was ESPN had like the Hawks at like 0.3%, like as in 0.3% of getting in the top six. So it's not impossible that they're just going to have to win, probably win out. I would say maybe at least go five and one to have a chance at that. So we'll get into all that later on, but a winnable game, but a tough one, relatively speaking on the road in Brooklyn on Friday. That's next, next time the Hawks play. I will, Plan to have a show between now and then because it is uh, Tuesday evening into Wednesday. So I usually don't like to go two, three days without podcasts. So we'll have hopefully one either tomorrow or Thursday. Stay tuned for that. Please subscribe to the podcast. I will be traveling, it looks like, over the weekend to the Final Four to be covering some more college basketball stuff. But I will be dialed into the Hawks as well while I basically always am. And my Braves stuff comes uh, starts in heavy earnest on Thursday with opening day in baseball. So a very busy time of year, but still we'll be diving into all the Hawk stuff, every angle always on this podcast. Please subscribe to the show across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow my written work at patreon.com slash BT Roland. I do appreciate everyone for listening to the podcast today. Hopefully you enjoyed this victory. We'll have more later on in the week, and I really do appreciate you listening. We'll see you all next time.